P-S-N-Y. After the All-Star break, it's been, uh, work has been slow and so have the Yankees. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. And what's happening, guys? This is Bleacher Creatures, episode 137, uh, brought to you as always by Elite Sports NY, uh, part of XL Media, Crossing Broad, War Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Uh, how's it going, man? What's up, Alex? <laughs> Uh, it's going it's going still don't have the uh, new apartment fully unpacked but it's much bigger and much more comfortable than the place i was originally at so you know things are going i was gonna say you, you, yeah like because uh, like, you're on your laptop you were looking very comfortable that's like i am this is nice couch setup i'm joined by my dog reggie oh hey, oh, hey buddy <laughs> he's named giving after, me a look like named after reggie jackson <laughs> uh, no no that was just his racing name Oh, um, nice. but he's giving me a look right now. Like, why the hell are you talking right now? This is my space. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so Yankees have Andrew Benintendi had a good walk off win from Aaron Judge last night. But I think you and I both know, like this this team's kind of sluggish right now. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of the um, the issues that we were seeing last year are creeping yeah. back up. I'm like, there was that, there's the Glaber Torres error earlier in the game where it's just like, yeah, that was something straight out of last year. And the offense has been kind of just bleh. And kind of like they're, they're going back to the bad habits of last year, I think, just because they're, I don't know whether it's, it's fatigue carrying over from the all-star break or just kind of like the dog days of August hitting early, but you could tell people are going up there. It's like, all right, let's, let's find that one pitch and get on base. As opposed yeah. to taking a deep breath, refocusing. Yeah. It, I, I was wondering that, too, if it's just the dog days of August or, or what have you. But um, Well, it, it's, it, in, in defense of the players, like the last week or so in the city was ungodly hot. Oh, yeah. I mean. Like, I, I didn't playing, leave my house for two days. Oh, yeah. No, neither did I. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was as equally hot here, if not maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. But there is a little bit of cause for concern. I mean, again, this shows the importance of that incredibly hot start they had because now they can afford this mini slump and still be in a really good position. But there is a little bit cause for concern because the level that that they're playing at right now is just not good enough. It's strange because I, I saw this on the Michael Cage yesterday. Yes, posted this graphic during this. I think they said it was a five and fifteen stretch since a certain date. They've actually been scoring close to six runs a game, so the offense isn't the problem. The the pitching though, like we've said, they, they've been saying this on the broadcast. We we've been saying this too. The innings count is starting to get to some guys. All of a sudden, like Garrett Cole, like the, the bridge behind him isn't as sturdy. Michael mm-hmm. Kane, Chad Green, they're both gone. Jonathan the wise guy, he's back. We don't know what we can get from him. Miguel Castro is still a big loss. So the bullpen, I mean, I, well, this seems like a good time to talk about the Subway Series because first off, the Mets pulled the Astros playbook and treated these games with October urgency. Like, like this is a dry run for the postseason. 
Yeah, like yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it would have been nice to see the Yankees play with that same kind of intensity. Yeah. Um, and credit to the Mets. I mean, they're they're a good team. They played well. Scherzer was dominant. We're not, I wouldn't say Scherzer was dominant because the Yankees made some good contact against him, but he made the big pitch when he needed to. Um, you know, I was, and honestly, honestly, Yankee pitchers didn't pitch bad. Just the, the big difference was the Yankees couldn't score, couldn't get the big hit when there was a guy in scoring position, and it was just like it was frustrating. And and you know that loss after Glaber hit the game tying home run in the eighth, like. Again, that felt like a loss from last year, where it's just yeah. like you know, some. I I wasn't watching it, but I was following it on my phone. It was like some kind of bullshit thing when Peralta was pitching. Like, oh yeah, like, I I don't know about you. I I said uh, I said the moment Clay Holmes pitched in the eighth inning, I I like texted a Mets fan friend. I said this game's over. Like the yeah. just lost this game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I saw it too. Where it's like, wow. He's pitching in the eighth. Who the hell is going to pitch in the ninth? And my my best you know. guess, like I, I think I tweeted out. I said, "Are are we so afraid of Pete Alonso leading off the leading off the eighth inning of a tie game that we're going to go to our closer?" Like John, like because Loaiza guy, he looked good in his. I think the one batter he faced. Mm. Like and you could see, yeah. like oh, you could see. Okay, there's so little rust, but he's starting to get a feel for that sinker again. Peralta, yeah. who. As much as he craves high leverage situations, he's not a closer, not a ninth inning. Guy. No. no, like he, like he's, he's a more reliable Dellen Batansis in that way, where it's like, yeah, you can get some good high leverage innings out of him. You're not going to end. There'll be a clunker here and there, but under no circumstances, not the ninth inning. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I've I've been seeing kind of like rumblings on the Twitter sphere and, and whatnot that, which is also an example of how. Boone got outmanaged by Buck, and I don't know what did, what did you think of that? I mean, I think that I don't know if it's that Boone got outmanaged by Buck. It's just it's just that it's the experience factor. Buck he walked to the Mets, who made a few made some made several key additions this year, and then just walked in first day on the job like commands a room, mm-hmm. and Boone. He, it's there's no doubt he has the respect of the Yankees to the point and the players to the point where he's going to be in the running for manager of the year again. But the way that Buck manages a team, that's a, that's a skill that only comes with time. And, and Boone hasn't yeah. had that yet. So yeah. I, I, so I'm not going to say that, that Buck outmanaged Boone, but it's clear that what the Mets have is something special, largely because of Buck Showalter. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm sorry. I hate the subway series. Why? I hate the whole, I just, I hate the whole pageantry that goes behind it. And like, you know, you see it again on Twitter where it's, you, know, you got the Yankee fans and the Met fans going back and forth, back and forth. It's, and it's just like, it's not it, special anymore. It, it really that. isn't it, like, and I don't know. I, I I sit here and I and you know I I hate the excuses. There's always going to be an excuse from this losing side when it comes to these games. For the Yankees, it was, oh, they pitched Montgomery and Herman and didn't have Stanton, and you know they just didn't really care about like 
the games as much as the Mets did. And it's like, well, of course the Mets are going to play with a little bit more of a fire under their ass. I mean, they've always been viewed as the little brother. Exactly. You know, in of New York, but it's just like, you know, I'm honest, New, York, I'm honest, New York has two of the best teams in baseball. Like I'm honestly, enjoy the ride. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm honestly more annoyed by Mets fans who don't post on social media about the Mets all year long, like win or lose that would no matter how good or bad the team is, they just don't really post about the Mets. And then the subway series comes, they, they said, and then the Mets win a game and then they go, Oh, like Yankees fans are silent. Now I, I said to a guy like, Oh, like you're a Mets fan. This is the first time you posted about the Mets all year. Congratulations. Now get the hell out of my office. Yeah, it's just keep, like, keep my team's like, name out of your fucking mouth. It's like, who cares about games in late July that yeah. literally mean nothing. It's like, it's not like the two teams are striving for the first over, like, you know, top position in the league or whatever. It's just like, okay, it's somewhat of a rivalry, which is not going to ever be the same unless they meet in the World Series. Like, it's kind of like what Jeter said yeah. last night in, in the episode. It's like, it's, just it's Mets. the Mets. It's just the Mets. Yeah. And, and, and it, like, that's not an insult. It's just they're just another team. Like, yeah. who cares? I remember watching the very first Subway Series regular season game and it being a big deal that the Mets, who were not a playoff team at that point, this is the pre-Piazza Mets, so th- these teams were terrible. And they pretty much shut down the Yankees in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And it, what, it was, what, year, what year would it happen? 97. Okay, well, and then so let's let's think about also the significance then. You hit, the Yankees have guys like Strawberry and Cone, and I, was, was Doc on the team then? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, Doc, Doc was still on the team there. Yeah. So – like, you know, for Mets fans, you're looking at your crosstown rival having three pretty key components to your last successful run. I'm actually going to pull and up the box score of that of that game. Why don't we do, like, why don't we do that before we talk about the captain? So 97 Yankees, that, that was the World Series hangover team, as we're all aware. Yep. All right, scheduling results, because I remember it was in July – uh, and I think Dave Malicki was the winning pitcher for the Mets, and he had a quality start and then some. All right, find the Mets, find the Mets. Should have had this pulled up earlier. Sorry, folks. Oh, no, it, it was uh, – I found it. It so was does. a – Oh, it was June. It was a July – yeah, it was June 16, Yeah, Dave Malicki versus Andy Pettit, and the Mets won six to nothing. Yeah. And, oof, man, they scored three in the first inning. Yeah, so the Mets lineup that they had, Lance Johnson, Bernard Gilkey, John Olrud, Todd Hundley, Butch Husky, Carl Everett, Carlos Baerga, Matt Franco, and Luis Lopez. Butch Husky was the DH. And here's this, oh, man, here's how the state of the Yankees were in 97. I guess everybody was hurt. Derek Jeter, Pat Kelly at second base, Paul O'Neill, Cecil Fielder, Tino, Charlie Hayes at third, Mark Witten, Chad Curtis, and Joe Girardi had a three-hit game, if you can believe that. And, yeah, Dave Malucky scattered nine hits through a complete game shutout, 119 pitches. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. Yeah. I love how how Pettit still went seven innings and gave up five. And, God, but – 103 pitches? The Lord of the Pickoff move in the first inning allowed Todd fucking Hunley to steal home on a double steal. Oh, jeez. 
All right, we're going to put that away for now. Anyway, captain time. All right. <laughs> uh, all right, Alex, so kicking things off, episodes three and four of, uh, of The Captain aired last night. I don't know about you. I, I appreciated the, the seeds of the A-Rod drama being planted. Mm-hmm. But, but other than that, like, it, I, I was kind of underwhelmed. Like, like, okay, cool. Michael Jordan cameo shows up. Oh, yeah, I respect Derek Jeter because he inspires his team. Okay, but yeah. other than that, it, it, it wasn't anything we didn't know already. Yeah, um, it it was a series of episodes where I asked myself, would this have been better if it didn't just focus on Jeter, if it focused on the core four and just the dynasty, you know, because yeah. I found like, because like these episodes, until I got into the Jeter or A-Rod situation, it seemed more focused on the team as a whole, you know, it like. It, it seemed more focused on the dynasty and what the dynasty meant. And I thought that would have been like, I would, I would love to go on to go more into that and into, into just that team in general. I mean, you well, know, I think like r- listening to strawberry or Pettit and Posada, I think it's a travesty. They didn't get Paul O'Neill on there, but um, remind me, did you, uh, have you seen last dance in its entirety? No, I have not. Well, the beauty of The Last Dance is that on top of being all about Jordan, it, it talks about the Bulls dynasty. And then so you learn about Scottie Pippen's backstory. You learn about Dennis Rodman's backstory. You learn about Phil Jackson's backstory. You learn just mm-hmm. what made everyone on that team go. Now, granted, baseball, it has the best stories on the field, but off the field, the good ones are few and far between. So maybe it's just, be, maybe it's just that okay, Posada and, and Bernie Williams, they, they come up from Puerto Rico, um, Mariano Rivera, but, and, but Rivera's whole story about living in this remote fishing village in Panama. That's a, yeah. that's a great story you want to learn. So yeah. yeah, we know the story about what happened in the seasons. Tell us more behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I feel like it, didn't really just go into Jeter himself. And I think this is a very specific or like specialized documentary that people in New York would love. Yeah. Uh, But the casual fan might not like, like that makes sense. Like it seems more about the legacy of the Yankees than it did about Jeter, at least in these two episodes. Right. Um, well, the, the good news, though, is that because you, um, episode three, you start with Scott Robb and, and the Esquire article. And then <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. And then, and then uh, at the end of the, of the next episode, okay, Jeter and A-Rod are teammates now. So you have to figure that we're going to get, we saw some sites of not so much Derek Jeter, the athlete, but Derek Jeter, the superstar in this mm-hmm. episode, sort of like the public figure going out and giving himself a hernia on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that next time that next time we're gonna see, okay, you have two high profile guys on the same team, very much in the public eye off the field, and this is where you're gonna get into maybe the women or the A-Rod drama and like mm-hmm. the, and the um I don't you're you might remember this even down in Florida. In 07, the Yankees were in Toronto and the New York Post caught a like snapped a picture of A-Rod in the lobby of the team hotel with a very good looking blonde woman who was not his wife. 
I do vaguely remember that. I remember how yeah. much of a big deal that was. Yeah. Um, and especially because, like, now we're, like, I feel like we're venturing. Well, we still got to get through the whole 04 situation. I, I, yeah, um, I, have, a, I have a feeling that we'll kick off because uh, uh, next week's a double episode, too. I figure next week they'll kick off with choking in 04. Yeah. Um, but then it's going to be like entering kind of the dark ages for the Yankees. Well, like, yeah, that's, that's where all the A-Rod drama comes to life. What? My buzzer, my apartment buzzer just went off. <laughs> no guests at this hour, please. Yeah, that probably delivered. Um, but, well, like, a, a thing I thought was really cool and I wish they probably would have gone more into, which, like, I would have loved to hear more about that rivalry with the Sox. And, and but, like, maybe... Again, the issue where it's called the captain, and it's not about the dynasty or the team itself. But, yeah. like, you know, I would have loved a little bit more exploration into that era where A-Rod, Jeter, and Nomar were, like, the three biggest figures yeah. in the sport. Or just, like, you know, I, would, I wouldn't mind hearing, you know, what Nomar th- thought about that series or what Pedro thought. How, how much of a dork know? is Nomar, by the way? He, <laughs> he's a little mousy dude. <laughs> <laughs> but just, just like the way he talks, he's like almost like very Midwestern and like super sincere. He's like really trying to, he's almost trying too hard to have his moment in the series instead of just talking. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, it's well, like, hey, Mike, dude, well, your life is more than just being married to me and him. Stop trying so hard. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Well, you kind of feel bad for him because, like, he was overshadowed by the two other guys, but, like, he put up some numbers that I felt just flew way under the radar. Yeah, didn't he win, like, two, maybe three batting titles in those prime years? Uh, Yeah, he won at least one. I'll pull it up right now. Because I remember he won won Rookie of the Year in 97. And... He's a two-time batting title champ. Where in consecutive years he hit three fifty-seven and then three seventy-two. Didn't and in the three seventy-two year, didn't he also have like close to forty homers? No, he only had twenty-one that year. Um, right. He had he had thirty-five home runs in ninety-eight, where he came second in MVP. Yeah, and then fan, uh, a lot of fans will uh, may or may not recall, and I think it was the two thousand one season. Uh, a, uh, Nomar had this wrist injury. It was like a, I, I remember reading it was an issue with one of his tendon sheaths, not so much the tendon. And just mm-hmm. from, and then he wound up having surgery, missed the rest of the season, was never the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. In two thousand one, he played twenty one games. Yeah. Then he had a good bounce year. back year in two thousand two. He hit three ten with fifty six doubles and one hundred and twenty RBIs. Yeah, uh, but like aside from that, like he started then to kind of decline. I mean, pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I'm like he just kept getting hurt. I mean, he had two, oh two and oh three were the last years where he played pretty much a full season. He played 156 games. This, this is something I want to see. I want to see next week because they they focused on the last thing they did was that July game where he busted his face. Uh, Jeter did. Yeah. People uh, will also recall Nomar was traded to the Cubs not long after that. I think it was maybe two weeks. And oh, really? Gotta, yeah, you got to wonder how salty is Nomar that he missed out on get, winning a World Series with the Red Sox. That oh, year. yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it's so funny when you think about guys' legacy and 
it's those little instances. Like what what would his legacy have been if Nomar had been the shortstop that won the World Series with the Sox? Or uh, at the very beginning of the series, uh, what would have how much better would have Don Mattingly's legacy been if he had just stayed and played one more year? Yeah. Yeah, and that, uh, going back to the Red Sox with the 99 series, uh, something they forgot to mention in the documentary, the Red Sox kind of dominated the Yankees that regular season. Mm. I think they, yeah, I think they won the season series 8-4, something like that. So, and, and to, like, again, and that's that's where I really – I think the, the series – plays to the strengths is when they're talking about like those teams and when Jeter just mentions the the state of those teams on how they just knew how to win well yeah like like, they're so you you know how to win but what is it does Derek Jeter's natural leadership just have that much of a trickle-down effect like how does this guy rally the troops because he's this very stoic guy kind of like as John Descremski says on his New York New York podcast kind of almost like a Michael Corleone type Keep your friends mm-hmm. close, your enemies closer. But so how does someone who keeps that small circle, doesn't really talk to the media that much and kind of like really knows how to play the game, how does he rally tw- like 25 guys plus a coaching staff? Well, and see, and so I wonder if that's where, I wonder if that's where A-Rod's comments hold a little bit of truth, you know? Because it because like you look at the, players that Jeter was surrounded by and they were guys who knew how to win I mean you know you had you had Pony you had O'Neal you had Strawberry like you had guys who had been there and been successful you well, had yeah, yeah you could argue that he learned from a good group like you look like what they already covered in the documentary you learned from Strawberry hey like don't go too crazy with the nightlife like look at the mistakes yeah. it can lead to he probably These are the guys who stay away from yeah, he probably learned how to how to learn from Coney. Okay, here's how when things are intense, here's how you maintain laser focus. And then with Paul O'Neill, it's like, no, no, it's okay to feel mad after every damn loss. It's okay to feel mad yeah. if you get out. Like it's like and then Jeter kind of takes it all together, learns how to stay himself, not kind of get caught up in the whole clubhouse brouhaha. And yeah. then in doing so, he kind of finds his people, like namely Posada. Like they also, he and Posada were best friends. I'm kind of surprised they haven't touched on that friendship so much. Yeah. Um, again, it, it does seem like uh, the series does not quite know what direction it wants to go in because, like, those first two were very Jeter centric, which is awesome. Like, you love to hear like these little things that he like experienced that he's not open about. Um, like what? What was he saying yesterday? He had um, oh, just how oh. how all of a sudden, like a friend of his who he uh, from high school or from Michigan who he thought he had been close with, like it turns out uh, says, "Oh, like I'm not into interracial marriages." Yeah, oh, yeah, but you've been to my house. You know my parents. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just how like he got, he got famous. Side. He got famous in people's true colors. So all of a sudden came out. Yeah, but then like also. Like, I would love to hear more about the dynamic that he had with the team itself. Like, I thought that was really interesting. Like, imagining Derek Jeter getting into a shouting match with George Steinbrenner. Or David Wells. Yeah. 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 Anything. Like, just, I would love, I I don't know. I guess maybe more of the baseball historian in me wants to sit there and be like, 
no, go into that more. Tell me about like the clubhouse dynamic. Like, how did you guys do all this and like, you know, keep a level head? Um, it, but, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, especially when they focused on the 2000 series and the Yankees just, oh man, I remember watching that series or watching that season and like the last month of it, it was so frustrating. It's like they, they found mm-hmm. different ways how to lose every night. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden in – in the playoffs, up oh, all of a sudden they're back. Okay, all so it takes Eric Chavez talking shit in a press conference to rally the team to victory. Oh, okay, but what else is really going on? What's like? What's everyone's attitude after the game? After two thousand one, yeah. Jeter's apparently fuming in the locker room. Yeah. Okay, like I want to hear what what's Derek Jeter really like when he's mad? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was also really interesting that he like was standing out there. That shortstop in the eighth innings, like, oh yeah, we we're gonna win the World Series. That that seemed very unlike him, and I don't know, like that that was a cool moment of where we got to like see a side of him that no one is probably really familiar with, you know? Yeah, I mean, either way, the just the air I drama alone. Oh god, look, look, can we talk about Scott Robb for a second? He's such a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, like, first off, the ponytail. That, that's the first warning sign right there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, dude, the the weird, like, I, I get it. It's a cutthroat industry when you got to try to get your, you know, your, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. You want to get your but, like, Yeah, yeah. And, like, but, like, he went behind that one dude and he's when he was talking to Scott Boris, like that audio, and it's just like yeah. dude, that's just sleaze ball. Like right. and and what was that ending quote he had? It was just like, Oh yeah, it had no bearing on me whatsoever. Like I, I mean, didn't give a shit. Look, I I get it. I get that when under those circumstances, especially when you don't really have social media to piggyback off of, and you really gotta get out when you really are forced to 100% get out in the field like that not, not, not to say it's like less it's that much less than 100% now like all the people out on the beat right now and, and getting those good quotes I mean right now I think I'll do a great time to shout out Lindsay Adler at the Athletic for this piece she had on Joey Gallo today which we'll, we can talk about in a second um, but back then like in, in like it's the internet age but it's not quite the social media age yet just being able to get a meeting with A-Rod and Scott Boris, let alone at a courtside at a Miami Heat game after a record-setting contract, that's a big deal for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, okay, you, you can talk about uh, growing up in Florida, uh, growing up in Florida, going from Seattle to Texas, two very different teams at the time, and talk about the contract and the pressure with it, but rather, okay, what does this contract mean for the A-Rod, Jeter, no more dynamic? Yeah. Because Jeter yeah. got Jeter got paid too, but not as much as A Rod. Which I think didn't Nomar get paid too? Uh, I don't remember the terms of Nomar's contract, but I remember Jeter's extension was I think ten years for one hundred eighty nine million. Isn't it funny? Also, when we're watching that, it's just like A Rod signs for ten years, two hundred fifty two million. It's like oh, imagine, imagine if you could sign a, the best player in baseball to a contract like that. Like imagine if Juan Soto got a contract like that. 10 years, 252 million. Like, I, that's nothing now. And I that changed in a matter of a decade. Do you remember where you were by chance when, when uh, the A-Rod contract got announced? I do not. I, yeah, oof. 
Well, because what? It, so what? That was at the end of the. Dude, that was the off season between. Yeah. Yeah. So pre oh one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna age myself here. I was six years old, oh. seven. Yeah, you were probably playing training. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I, I, I remember seeing him in that in the Texas jersey and yeah. being like. Good I, yeah, I, yeah, it did. Like the number three, and just remember, like how big he and was. Te- and Texas. Uh, speaking of big, how about how were you blown away by how big Roger Clemens was last night? Yeah, he. Uh, just those he's, blown, he's blown up. Yeah, he's he's blown up, but he's he's a beast. God. Yeah. Like like, like, like I, I I like give us more of the Clemens and Piazza thing. Yeah, I, I mean, like. There's not much to talk about in terms of that, I think, because, okay, so Roger Clemens and Pedro Martinez are one and the same. They're headhunters. The difference is Martinez is this little 5'10 spindly dude. Roger Clemens is six foot five and will destroy you. Yes. So, so but I, I definitely want to think more about um, or wanted to hear more about how um, Jeter didn't really like Clemens for pitching up and in on him, but then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he shows up, he's part of the team, makes him feel comfortable. What about like? Did they talk at all? Was there anything else? Did they hash anything out? Yeah, maybe that. Maybe Jeter's just very. What happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. But yeah, but going back to the Aaron contract, I I remember just reading what his demands were. He wanted like a ten, like a, a twelve year deal. He wanted a private jet. He wanted several luxury boxes for his family he wanted an actual office at the new home ballpark and it and it just seemed ridiculous and mm-hmm. and <laughs> i remember being in high school I, I would have been yeah this would have been during ninth grade study hall uh and my, my high school had something where if you were on honor roll or something you didn't have to report to a study hall it was essentially a free period for you Right. So I so not to do my own horn. I'm in the computer lab, just kind of messing around. A few other kids like rushing at something. They're like, Benjamin, go to ESPN. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> ESPN breaking news: Alex Rodriguez, ten years, two hundred fifty-two million dollars at the Rangers. And and I remember, like, we look at it, and then me and one kid both just kind of looked at each other and just went, "But the Rangers suck," <laughs> and they were terrible. Those are the Buck Showalter Rangers. They were so bad. I think they averaged, I think, 90 losses a year. Isn't it kind of funny how history repeats itself? Where an underachieving Texas team goes out and signs a big-time star and still don't really achieve much. And then you go to this offseason and the Texas underachieving Texas Rangers – acquire multiple big time stars and they are still kind of just whatever <laughs> it's it's really sad because if you look at what the rangers have done in the or had done with all that luxury tax money in the years preceding um uh, john gray Corey seager and marcus simeon the uh half billion dollar all-star team right yeah uh, yeah they were clearly taking that money they were putting it into player development. They were putting it into analytics. They were revamping their scouting department. They were trying to get more, they're trying to modernize themselves as, as an organization post Nolan Ryan. And it just shows that, hey, no matter, you can do everything right in this sport 
and still lose. Oh yeah. Sometimes yeah. more than others. Yeah. It's it's an unforgiving sport. Yeah. Like it really is. So but anyway, so shifting back to the captain. Oh, so here's a I need your perspective on this, because you're a former catcher. Just the I will call it like the footwork gymnastics that Posada was doing on the flip play. Now that was cool. That was yes. awesome. Like, like, you know, that's like true inside baseball. Yes. And I noticed it too, like a split second before there's the angle where it was from the outfield. And I noticed it right before Jorge said something and, and I was like, wow, he was going out to get that ball and he had to, yeah adjust his feet i mean it's it's great awareness on his part um like he just knowing where you are knowing where the plate is and like he still had like a good amount of it covered um you know but yeah it's like i see that stuff was cool just watching him watching jeter make that read watching jorge readjust and just blindly tag and jorge is completely right if giambi slides he's safe yeah, I, that's one of those those plays where you'd want to kind of have it simulated through StatCast to figure out the out probability on it. Yeah, right. Uh, it's got to be – if it's more than 1%, it I mean, know, be 0%. Um, I think it was – I think it was like midway through the first episode yesterday. My girlfriend joined me, and we were watching it together. And then as we're going to bed, I was like, now you understand why Yankee fans are kind of the way they are. Yeah. Like that just kind of like, it's, you know, she's a Phillies fan. And so I always give her shit for that. But, um, but like kind of that expecting something great to happen or to just yeah. execute, you know, and, and, you know, I, you just kind of watch that. And, and then I mean, she was there, she was watching the, uh, the Oh one series. Oh, and and watch the game winning hit by Luis Gonzalez and she goes, yeah, that sucks. Like that's not even on. I I I wasn't aware because I I kind of like tuned anything regarding that series out, like or at least game seven out. Yeah. I did not know that Scott Brocious could have thrown the first for the double play. Neither did I. Like I I saw the play and I'm just going like, or yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no. How how am I only just getting this memo? Yeah, but then. And my girlfriend's just like, yeah, once once that hit fell in for Gonzalez, she goes, yeah, I, like, I don't even blame Mariano on that. That's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, oh, uh, well, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> what, oh, man, I hated that series so much. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I messaged you this last night, but imagine that. Imagine the city if they had won. In 2001, everything. yeah. I mean, I, God, Canyon of Heroes, you probably – I, I don't mean I don't mean to get all morbid with this, but like there there might have been like a severe over because I went to the 2009 uh, parade, and it was crowded, but you could like you could get around if you if you knew what you yeah. were doing. 2001, it would have been, it would have been like um like Astro Ball or whatever with that Travis Scott <laughs> thing, and yeah, it would have been it, yeah. So like I don't mean to get morbid, that would have been a disaster. 2001. Yeah, I, just, I mean I just feel. I feel for that city being so close to like, you know, that's, that's kind of why that loss really stung. Like New York felt robbed. Yeah. Like Arizona straight yeah. robbed us. <laughs> and also just like, just Bush hanging out and like, and messing with Derek on the side. Like, oh yeah. Him. That that story I knew. 
I did not know that story. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, no, uh, I, th- I think Jeter has written about it in his like biography. But yeah, it was like, and <laughs> credit to Bush. I mean, that dude threw a strike. Like he zipped yeah. that in. Him. I mean, so. his his father was a uh, played college ball at Yale and was pretty good, from what I imagine, or, for, or from, and from he what I've heard. Wasn't he part owner of the Rangers? Uh. Bush Jr. was yes, yeah, and he, oh, he Bush was, Jr. was okay. Yeah, and he and he was like he was part of like a group of owners, and he was just kind of the face of it because of who his dad was at the time. Uh, but I think it, there's sorry to interrupt, but I think there's a famous picture of uh, George, like the father, meeting someone when he was yeah. a baseball player at Yale. Yeah, I, I I know exactly which picture you're talking about. Um, oh yeah, he met he met Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That yeah, and he's um he's in uniform. Bush is. Yes. Yep. Know exactly which picture you're talking about. Anyway, um, what else? Did we miss anything from uh from these episodes? Not no, not really. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean the the 3 Red Sox series that was fun to touch on, but it, like it was just kind of it was filler. By that point, yeah, it's like okay, I mean, Derek, Derek Jeter has a, has a never say die attitude that makes him born to be a Yankee and just kind of trickles down to the rest of the team. He learns from from guys like O'Neill, like Strawberry, and now I think we're really going to see just what kind of clubhouse he ran, especially with A Rod in tow. Yeah, yeah, and like and as I said earlier, I'm like we're kind of going to be entering the dark ages of Yankee baseball. Like, yeah. There's going to be which is, which is funny to say because it, like in like you look back and there are several teams in in Major League Baseball who would kill to have a decade that the Yankees had starting at 04. You know, it's just you know at the end of it, nothing really good was happening for the Yankees because you you had that expectation they're going to win every year and they don't, and then you get aging players and then you get this weird, you know, drama that kind of seems to you know, seep into every crack and cranny of that clubhouse. And, well, a lot, of that also, a lot of that also has to do with the fact that at this point, Brian Cashman, he's essentially general manager in name only with a few exceptions because after 2000 uh, or after 2001, Steinbrenner kind of rests control and, and goes and signs Jason Giambi. Yeah. Which in, yeah, retro- yeah. which in retrospect wasn't that bad of a move because uh, Nick Johnson wasn't ready at the point at that point. wasn't oh, much God. of a first baseman. And when I saw Nick Johnson on that on the TV, I made an audible noise of disgust. Nick, so Nick Johnson triggers you too. Yes. Talk like like that. when again when I think about those quote unquote dark ages, he's one of the faces that pop up, and it pisses me off to no end. I I just look at. I've looked at his minor league numbers, and okay, he was a decent enough like contact hitter. But then I look at his minor numbers, look what he did as a pro, and I just think, I, I'm sorry, what did the Yankees see in this guy? Yeah. yeah and so I'm, I'm looking at Jason Giambi's numbers when he was a Yankee. And do you remember there being some criticism behind him? Like, as I rem- the deal kind of wore on about... Uh, yeah, because I, I remember his first year with the team, he made the cover of Sports Illustrated and naturally because of the jinx got off to a slump. 
found a stroke and then um around oh four because that's when he had that's when like the steroids caught up with him and he had that uh, that tumor on his pituitary gland mm-hmm. uh there was i remember there being some criticism as the deal wore on but it was mostly just because okay like he's getting older and he he doesn't have the steroids anymore like he, even if wh- whether or not they were actually doing anything he wasn't the same player but you know what's funny like uh, I think it's because we have a better understanding on how to read analytics and graphs. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, in 2002, he had a really, he had a great year, 41 home runs, 122 RBIs, an OPS of over a thousand. Yeah. But you go to even his last year as a Yankees age 37 season in 08, he still had an OPS of 876 and only twice did he have an OPS under 800 as a Yankee, and those were both injury-shortened seasons. When he played full seasons, he had an OPS well over 900. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that when uh, at the time that the Yankees signed Giambi, he kind of had gained a rep as a Yankee killer, especially in the playoffs. So here mm-hmm. I'm, actually, I'm actually pulling up his career batting split, see what he's hit for his career against the Yankees. Because uh, I think they saw, like, okay, this is a guy who's destroyed us before. Now he's playing with us, so now he's going to destroy all the other teams. And aside for those couple of years, he, like, he wasn't video game good, as I like to say. So right. it's funny, because against the Yankees for his career, he was only about a 250 hitter, like 248 OPS of 737. Uh, only seven home runs in the regular season with the Yankees. He had more career home runs against the A's than he did the Yankees. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And so it's kind of like the whole Garrett Cole thing. I I, I interviewed John Jastrzemski or JJ as we all call him um, right before the start of the season. I said like what we've talked about in our chats. I'm like, hey, like what is it about Yankees fans that they're taking these like these last few years and not making the World Series so personally? And much like Giambi was back then, he said, look, I think people saw Garrett Cole as them as getting them over the top. It hasn't happened yet, and it's a combination of disappointment and impatience. Yeah. And Jason Giambi was very much the same thing, because I remember watching that 2002 ALDS. I didn't think the Angels were that were that good. It's like, okay, the Angels beat us in the, in the season series, but yeah, it's the playoffs, and we're the Yankees. We'll find a way to beat them, and we kind of took the Angels for granted. Look what happened. Yeah, I mean, let's see. What stats are you, are you deep into now? I'm looking at that division series. I mean, they're all decently close games. I mean, yeah, but game Yankees three. win game one, eight five. They lose game two, eight six. Game three, they lose nine six, and they lose game four, nine five. Game, I mean, yeah, pitching yeah, was a right. mess. And the problem was game three. They I think they let they had like a pretty big lead most of the game, and it just evaporated. Yeah. So. Let's see well, who, who hit well. Uh, Giambi hit well. Giambi hit three fifty seven. Yeah. Um, Jeter think, hit five hundred. I think Bernie Williams hit pretty well too. Bernie, I remember. Yeah, didn't Bernie have like a big home run that year? In the uh, in game one of O two, he hit he had a big home run. Yeah. He hit three thirty three. Yeah, other than that, no one really hit well. I mean. You know, this oh. is a, these are the days we're running out Raul Mondesi and what a, what a who else? He was a Juan Rivera. 
Yeah, the dark ages of the outfield. Robin Ventura. Oh, God. Alfonso Soriano did not have a good playoffs. He hit 118 that year. This is an old team. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's gonna it should be fun next week though, because like I said, we're probably gonna get more A Rod, more tabloid stuff. Maybe they'll get um the the close with the 09 series. Mm-hmm. But it's like I want to see more about the team, not so much about Derek Jeter. I want to see I want to see yeah. like the, the comparable limelights between him and A Rod when they're teammates. I want to see how A Rod's whole like drama and having a different celebrity girlfriend every year affected the clubhouse dynamic there's that story about the playoffs where a rod like signs a baseball with his number gives it to a fan in the stands in the middle of a losing playoff game and that pissed you yeah off. yeah i don't, that i do remember yeah yeah um yeah because i feel like we we're, we're entering a part where we know a lot of stuff already because social media starts becoming a little bit bigger espn's coverage starts becoming a little bit more like widespread when it comes to you know the Yankees. We're, like, we're getting, I, 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 go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, okay, uh, we're we're getting to the point where it's like, yeah, we all we know all this. Show us what was really going on. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm like, I'm still gonna watch for sure. Um, yeah, uh, if the weather holds up, I'll be watching Garrett Cole at the Yankee game tonight. There you go. Is, Let's see, uh, are you? Oh, are you going to the Paul O'Neill game? Have you gotten tickets shot yet? Uh, what date is that again? That's August twenty first or twenty second. It's a Sunday against the Blue Jays. I'm getting back from the Jersey Shore the day before. I will if if I can if I can swing. And we're supposed to hang out with a couple that night. If we can hang out with them at night, then I can go to the Paul O'Neill game. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'll be there. So, yeah, you, Paul O'Neill will not be there. I know. Yeah, I hate it. How, how, uh, he's like ruining his own, uh, goddamn. I think that's why they're not playing the old timers game again, uh, on Saturday either. Maybe there's, maybe all the guys, all the guys who can still play just aren't vaccinated. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. Weird end of the show today, folks. Anyway, thanks for listening to, uh, well, speaking of unvaccinated, uh, Andrew Benatendi is a Yankee. There you go. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll close with this. Close on a positive note. I, I love this trade. I love oh, the so Benatendi trade. It's, so it's great. Like, uh, the Yankees love their nice Italian boys, don't they? Oh, yes. The Gabagools. What can you say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Joey Gallo, I wanted to touch on this article from Lindsay Adler in The Athletic, too. He's, he knows he's on his way out. He knows it's, it's like it's done. But he's... Yeah. He's really just been like, hey, like I came here to play as a Yankee. I didn't play well. Like that's all. Yeah. I wasn't good enough. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I feel bad for him. You know, I mean, he seems like a good dude and everything. But I, I'm sure he's one great. thing that kind of just annoys me is remember that comment he said like, this is who I am as a hitter. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. No, like, it doesn't. Look at Matt Car like Matt Carpenter changed his swing, and he had a. He's had. A good like how long has he been on the team? Two months. Yeah, like like he's had a good two months. And if that was it, that'd be like some players in the league would say, "Hey, I would love to have an entire season like that." Does that make yeah. sense? Like no, it, it like, does. What, Fourteen home runs and yeah, hundred games. He's a home. It's like Shane Spencer effectiveness almost. 
circa 1998. <laughs> Joey Gallo, I don't know, like million dollar bat, 10 cent head. Is that it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. It's a shame. Like he's a nice, he's a, he's like a perfectly nice guy. I'm sorry it didn't work out with the Yankees. Like I, I had a great season with him in MLB The Show, but <laughs> but it's like okay, like enough's enough. And Ben and they could have gotten Ben and They could have gotten literally anybody to play outfield, and it would have been an improvement over Joey Gallo in the lineup. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. You can find uh, me on Twitter at Josh B E S N Y. Alex at Alec underscore Monte Calvo. Correct. All right. Uh, does Reggie have anything to add, or is he off the couch? No, he's still here. He uh, switched positions, so he's facing me now. He's got his paw digging into my leg, probably telling me to shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he sleeps. He sleeps eighteen hours a day. And apparently, Sounds that's like not a dog. enough for him. All yeah. right. Thanks for listening, folks. We will see you next week.